So especially when it comes to water on the promenade, you will, we will have a sign that says free water, you know, and people would like, if this is the sign, they would walk straight at it and then kind of like choose the far way around on the promenade, and you're like, don't you want a free water? And they're like, no, 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 we just like want to walk past, you know? And then every now and again, someone would stop, and they would be like, what's the catch? Like, what's in the water? Like, what do you want to sell me? Or like, are you a water company? And they ask us all these questions about, like, why is this thing for free? And we're like, because we're a church and we love our community and it's what we do. And they will be like, nothing in life is for free. And I always say, like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's free. You just need to know to look on the right places, right? But what is interesting to me is the reaction of the children. That's kind of like the scary part that we're not always that excited about because we only have this amount of water. And like one kid will walk past and he's like, whoa, a son that says free water. So he will walk right up to us and say like, can I have a free water? And we're like, yeah, sure. And then he disappears with this water like really happy. And they're like, yeah, I got a water. And then the next moment like 50 kids show up and we're like, ah, there goes our water supply. And everyone is so excited. All the kids are like, yeah, can I have a free water too? Me too, me too. And you're like, oh. Okay, we're not going to have any more water to hand out to the adults, but luckily we got the children. But it's interesting to me the difference between the way that an adult receives a gift and a child receives a gift. A child is all excited. There's no questions asked. There's no like, you know, what's in it for me or what's the catch or nothing in life is free. They're like, it said free water, so I'm going to get my free water. While adults, they, they struggle to just receive a gift. There must be a catch, right? There must be some kind of reason or some kind of thing that you tried to trick me, and, but, but I, I'm not sure if I actually want to receive this free gift. And what is interesting to me is, as I said, there are a lot of places in the world where you can receive things that are for free. And one of the most amazing places where you can see, receive a lot that's free is in the church of Jesus, where you can receive for free a new life, a new beginning, where you can receive for free the grace of God that will forgive you of your sin, that will give you a new start, where you can receive for free a new relationship with your Creator and your Heavenly Father. But it is interesting to me that even when it comes to faith, often we struggle to receive what God wants to give us. And the problem that I've learned, whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, the problem is not that God wants to give us the wrong thing or that there's a catch involved. The problem is that we struggle to receive. So tonight our topic is part eight of our series, Marked by Love. Our topic is how to receive a gift, how to receive a gift. And what we will be doing is we'll be reading um, from Mark 10. So what we're doing in this series, Marked by Love, we are looking at the book of Mark. And in this book, Mark is a gospel, a gospel. There's four gospels in the New Testament. They tell us about the life of Jesus And Mark was a guy who wrote down the testimony of Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus. Peter saw all these amazing things that that Jesus did, and Mark wrote everything down for him. And in the Gospel of Mark, we read like a very short and powerful version of the life of Jesus. Where some of the other Gospels would write it a little longer, Mark is like short and he's right to the point. So we challenged you during the series to go back home and to go and read the chapters as we read through them so that you for yourself can see who is this Jesus and what is he about and what does it mean for us if we want to follow him. So if you've been keeping up, last week we were at chapter 8. We are going to skip chapter 9. This week we're in chapter 10. So it means your homework is to go home and read Mark chapter 9 and Mark chapter 10, so that you can kind of like see the whole picture of what Jesus was doing in Mark 9 and 10. 
But tonight, if you've got your Bibles, you can open to Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can download it on your phone, the YouVersion Bible app, um, but it will also be on the screen for you to follow along. So Mark 10, and we're going to read two stories of two people that received the gift of Jesus in two completely different ways. Okay, so Mark 10, verse 13 to verse 16, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him, Jesus. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples, and he said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who does who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God, I can't say everything there is to say about it. You can go and listen to all the series we've done and you will get like little glimpses of it. But basically the kingdom of God is about living in a new life, living in a new kingdom, even though you're still here at this moment, living a new life, living in a new kingdom, but also in eternity. It means that my life doesn't stop here. So there's an eternity that I gain in the kingdom. There is grace and forgiveness for my sins. There is a new start for anyone, no matter who you are. There is hope despite times when you might feel hopeless. There's peace despite the fact that everything inside of you tells you're not supposed to have peace. The kingdom of God is John 10 when Jesus said, I came to give you a life of abundance. And abundance, as you will see tonight as well, doesn't always mean a lot of money or doesn't always mean what you think it means. But it means it is a life that where you're living the way God created you to live like. So the second story we're going to read also about someone who wanted to know, how can I receive the kingdom of God? How can I receive this new life? Is someone who's a little older than the children. So Mark 10, verse 21 to 23. So this rich young man, by the way, he was a young guy. He had a lot of money. He came to Jesus. And he's like, Jesus, how can I receive the kingdom of God? And we've preached about this before. But I want you to quickly see what this is about. Jesus tells him, basically, do what the Bible tells you. So in short, love God and love your neighbor. That's it. Like, love God and love your neighbor. He's like, I do that. And then this happens. Verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, genuine love. Genuine love. I love the way they translated this. Genuine love for him. Jesus said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. As I read this, I read about these two groups of people that both wanted to receive the kingdom of God. That both said, like, we want to live in God's blessing. We want to live in a relationship with our Father. And on the one side, we've got the children. And on the other side, we've got the rich young man. And when we read the story, it's easy to think that, oh, if you're young, it's easy to believe. Because you're naive or you're stupid or whatever. 
And it's easy to, when you read the second part of the story that follows directly on this, think like, oh, Jesus said it's difficult for someone who's rich to, to gain the kingdom. So if I've got a lot of money, I'm not going to make it, man. So I'll have to be poor or something. But this is not the truth. This is not what this story is about. This story is about two groups of people that had a different heart for receiving the gift that God wanted to give them. This is not about age. This is not about money. This is about a heart that you have for receiving what God wants to give to you. And I wanted us to, for a moment, look at the difference in the attitude in the heart of these two groups. So the first group we read about is the hearts of the children. The children was brought to Jesus. And Jesus says, these guys, these little people, they will receive the kingdom. And if you don't receive it the same way as they, you won't have it. And I'm like, what makes a child so special? And I was thinking about little children and just the way they act. A child has complete trust. A child doesn't wonder if his dad says, jump, I will catch you. He's not like, no, I wonder if I will make this distance. I wonder if my dad's arms are strong enough. He doesn't ask questions like that. He's like, dad said, I will jump, so I'm going to jump. A child has complete obedience. Sometimes, you know, a little smack is necessary to just make sure that it's, that it's there. But if you say jump, he, he will jump. A child has complete confidence in others. And sadly, that often gets children into situations where people abuse that. And we know that in our country, there's so much abuse of children. Because they have confidence in an adult. That person must take good care of them. Because that's who they are, Right? A child also has this excitement when they receive a gift. Can you remember when you were little? Like, I remember Christmas time. The day won't pass. You're like, it's morning, 7 o'clock, and you're like, go outside, and you play games, and you're like, running, and you're like, is it time for lunch? Your mom is like, no, it's a quarter past 7. You're like, seriously? Like, I just want to open my gifts. I've tried everything. This day just doesn't want to pass. When you are young, it doesn't matter what you get. As long as you get something for Christmas and your birthday, you're excited. You're like, you can't wait, wait, and you shake it, not because you wonder if it's safe to open. You shake it because you are so excited to see what's in that gift. And then we grow older, and some of us are still excited, but others of us, like me as well, sometimes I'm like, oh, no, it's just a birthday. Don't even get me something. We lose that excitement. And then we're like, yeah, but it's the love language of certain people. So by the way, if you haven't read the book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love, Language, go, love Languages, go and read it because it will help you to understand the people that you are trying to love. It will help you to understand how to love them better. But anyway, we say it's a love language. You know, like, so for me, gifts is not a love language. So I'm not big on receiving them. I'm not big on giving them. For Yolanda, my wife, gifts are like high. She loves to give them. She loves to receive them. So we're like, you know, it's just, we're just different. But why then? I've never met a child who's like, oh, it's my birthday again. Like, I, I'm really not excited about getting a gift. That doesn't happen. Children are always excited about that. And I was wondering, what change? What changes so that once we grow up, we don't have that heart anymore? And this is a favorite quote of mine. And um, as I was preparing for this series, I kind of came across it again. And I thought, this is so true. Pablo Picasso, the artist, said, every child is an artist. Every child draws pictures and create, creates mind castles and do all kinds of crazy things. 
Every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. You might say, Louis, what does being an artist have to do with everything we're saying? I'm like, that, that characteristic of being an artist, do you know why every child has it? Because every single child is created in the image of a heavenly father who is creative himself. You're like, what is God creative? Yes. Just drive out. It's almost time for the flowers to the West Coast and go and see the flowers that God made. Go outside and look at the mountain that's casting its shadow over our city. And God made that. We serve a creative God. You see the trust that children have in their life? That is a characteristic of God, the love they have, the unconditional love. They don't care if, if their little friend is the same color or the same language as they are, as long as they've got a friend. They just have that trust. They just have that inside of them. And that is all the characteristics of God that He has placed inside of us. But then we grow up. And sin corrupts us. The Bible says that sin, all these things that prevent us from living the purpose that God has for us, all the things that hurt our relationship with God, that separates us from God, that starts to corrupt these beautiful things that God has placed inside of our lives. So we can say that quote in a different way. Every child is excited to open a present. The problem is how to remain excited once we grow up. Every child is, is excited about the gift that Jesus gives us the promise to remain excited when we grow up. So you can put whatever words you want in there. But that was the attitude of the children. And Jesus like, that is the attitude we need. You see, because once we grow up, we start to lose that trust. We're like, God, I don't know if you're really for me. We start to lose that confidence in other people. We don't trust other people. We don't really live in community anymore because it's like every guy for himself. We lose the excitement because it's replaced by stress and anxiety and worries. I read this amazing quote, and I haven't read the book, so I'm not sure what it's about. But a a writer called Patrick Rothfuss, he wrote a book called The Name of the Wind. He writes fiction. And in the book, he's got this quote. It says, when we are children, we we seldom think of the future. We don't think about the future when we're little. We don't think about what I'm going to do when I retire or whether I will have enough money. He says, but this innocence leaves us free to enjoy ourselves as few adults can. The day we fret about the future is the day we leave our childhood behind. I was thinking about this rich young ruler. He came to Jesus And he's like, Jesus, I really want to to go the next level. I've heard about you and I've tried to follow God and I I want to go the next level. And Jesus is like, okay, go and sell your stuff and follow me. But I think the reason why I turned around was not just that he had a lot of stuff, but the, the moment Jesus said that, I think what was going through his mind is, if I sell my stuff, if I give everything away, how am I gonna buy food? Where am I gonna stay? How am I going to retire? He might have even had a noble thought like, how will I give money to the church? I don't know. But when I read the story and I read this quote, I thought like, isn't that so true? 
I think part of the reason why we struggle to receive the gift that God wants to give us of His kingdom, of grace, of joy, of peace, is that we are so worried about a future that we cannot control. A future that we don't even know if it will be here tomorrow. We spend so much time worrying about that future that we miss what God wants to give us in this moment. Jesus said in the New Testament numerous times that yesterday had its own problems. Forget about that. Don't live in all of those things of regret. And he's like, tomorrow brings its own problems. So don't live in that worry. He says, live for today. Trust God that he will take care of you. This rich young man couldn't get over it. He was, I think, worrying about his future, and he's, he struggled to trust Jesus and just follow him. To, and to just follow him, and he was thinking about children. Do you know why they don't stress about the future? It's because they don't have to, because they know their parents will take care of their future. And that is why Jesus said, "A kid, a little child, will inherit the kingdom because they don't stress about the future. They know that Jesus will take care of it if they put their trust in Him. They trust Him enough." To find peace in the fact that God is in control of our future. And I want to tell you today, when we trust in our own abilities and our own strength and our own ability to control our lives and our own kingdom, we will miss the opportunity to live for a greater kingdom and a greater purpose and to have true peace. You see, because when you live for your own kingdom, the moment your own strength dries up, your kingdom will dry up as well. But when you live for God's kingdom, the strength can never run out. These two had such a different approach to receiving what Jesus had to offer. But do you know what is so beautiful to me? Is the way that Jesus reached out to both of these groups. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, if you read the book of Mark, you will see that it is marked by love. From the beginning, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't do it because he had to do it for some weird reason. He did it because he loved us and he wanted to do us to, to do it to save us so that we can be adopted as children of God, although we sometimes mess up. You see, and Jesus... Throughout the gospel, his ministry was marked by love. Every time he touched someone's life, every time he healed someone, every time he spoke words, it was because of the love he had for the people that was around him. Whether they were prostitutes or sinners or tax collectors or church people, whether they were perfect or imperfect. And he loved us so much that the end of his ministry was also marked by love the day he died on a cross. Not because he was weak, not because the Romans were strong, because he chose to sacrifice himself so that we do not have to carry the punishment for our sins. He took it on himself on that cross. It was so beautiful when I read verse 21. Those words that you repeated, it said, Jesus looked at the man, and he had genuine love for him. This is God that we're talking about. Jesus must have known that this guy is probably going to turn around because he trusted his money more than he trusted Jesus. But when Jesus looked at him, he didn't look at him 
in anger. He didn't look at him in disappointment. Jesus looked at this man with love and not just any love, not just like kind of like, you know, yeah, I love you, bro, whatever. Jesus looked at him with genuine love. A love that this man couldn't comprehend, the love that you and I cannot comprehend. I think maybe the closest we will ever get to a love like that is once you have a child in your hands that's your own child. Or once you put that ring on someone's finger in front of the altar to promise that you will spend the rest of your life with them. I think that's the closest we can get to the love that God has for us. But God had genuine love for this man. When they tried to keep the children away from Jesus, you know the little guys who sometimes loud and their hands are sticky and they're not always like, sometimes they're just like, stay, stay like in a safe distance. I don't want to get like your weird stuff that's all over you. When people try to keep them away from Jesus because Jesus is an important teacher, do you know what Jesus said? He got angry. He's like, don't prevent them from coming to me. It doesn't matter that you think I'm important. It doesn't matter that I've got white clothes on or whatever. Send the little guys because I have genuine love for them. That's why he got angry. You see, and God loves us no matter who you are or what you've done or where you came from. And he loves you and he loves me more than we can ever understand. But he does not force that love on us. You see, when he spoke about his kingdom, about living in his love, about accepting it for ourselves... He said, you have to receive it. So what God was saying, what Jesus was saying is, I'm giving you a gift. I am giving you life. I'm giving you a new beginning. I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you forgiveness. I'm giving you a new relationship with your Father in heaven. But I'm not going to force it on you. You're not a robot, and I'm not just going to press a button and make you receive it. I'm going to give you the choice to accept it and to receive it. Because love cannot be love if it's not a two-way thing. That's why God gave us a free will. You see, I can love my toaster as much as I will, but it cannot love me back, so it will never be true love. I can kidnap someone and lock them away in a room for the rest of my life, and I can love that person, but they will never love me back. The only way that true love can exist is when I choose to love someone and they choose to love me back. That's true love. And that is why Jesus said, here is the gift. You need to decide if you want to receive it. Because God's heart is not for us to live in religion. God's heart is to love us and for us to love him back. So when the rich young man looked at Jesus and he thought about everything he had. And he's like, I can't take this gift because what I have on this side feels like it's giving me security. He turned around and he walked away from Jesus. And did you see what Jesus did then? Jesus didn't run after him. Jesus didn't chase him and say like, wait, wait, you can keep your money. Jesus let him go. Because Jesus knew that this guy had to make his own decision to follow Jesus. That he had to receive what Jesus had to offer by his own free will. But for us to receive as adults, we need to get a little bit of a child, a child's heart back. 
It means we might have to let go of our pride, of thinking that I'm in control of my own life, of thinking that I can do everything myself. It means I might have to let go of my control, of trying to control my future and trying to control everything around me. It means that I might have to accept that I need to trust someone who's greater than myself. But I will have to let go of my worries and my pride and the control in order to say, Jesus, I want to receive what you want to give. And I want you tonight, I want you to see what the end result is for the choice that these two groups made. And you might be sitting here tonight and you might have been following Jesus a long time. Maybe you're like the rich young man and you're like, I've been following you. And God is asking you tonight to give a next step. You then have a choice whether you're going to give that step or whether you're going to stay where you're at. You might not have been following Jesus. And tonight you might be sitting here and God is like, I want you to give your first step and just receive my grace. I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I want to show you when we choose to follow Jesus why I think that following Jesus and receiving his kingdom and his grace is the best thing you can ever do. The rich young man had everything. He was probably a little famous. He probably had a lot of friends. He had money. He had power. He had land. He had a big house. He turned away and he walked away. And the Bible uses a specific word. It said, the rich young man went away. Three-letter word. Sad. What's sad? I thought you can't be sad if you've got a lot of money. And if you live a good life. And if people like you. And you've got a big house and a land. He was sad. Is it because joy and peace? And healing doesn't come from your possessions, doesn't come from your own strength. It comes from a different place. The little children, and I can just see this image in my head. The children was trying to get to Jesus and the disciples are like pushing them away. And they're like, you can't bother our master. And Jesus is like, what are you guys doing? Same thing. And I can see like in my mind this picture of these children running to Jesus and like just jumping on him. And he's just grabbing onto them. And I can see like his big smile in my mind, teeth showing, and just laughter all out. Because we read in verse 16 that Jesus had him in his arms. He wasn't afraid to get a little spit on him. He wasn't afraid to be all full of like things that were nasty. He just like grabbed onto them and he put his hands on their heads and he blessed them. And we don't know the backstories of those children. Some of them might have grown up in houses where they didn't have food to eat. Some of them might grow up without a father or without a mother. Some of them might have been ill. But no matter what the backstory is, I can see them smiling because Jesus was holding on to them. And he filled them with something we can never buy. And he gave them something we can never earn. You and I cannot earn God's grace. We're not good enough for it. We'll always mess up. But you see, his gift 
is a gift. It means it's free. You do not need to earn it. You do not need to give something in return. You just need to receive it. Jesus had such a beautiful heart for others. And he's got that heart for you and me. And we said in this series, we want to see who this Jesus was. This is who Jesus was. And this is what he is offering to you. A new life. But I also want you to see tonight, we said in this series, we're going to see what this means to us if we decide to follow Jesus. And what this means to us is that if Jesus cared about other people entering his kingdom, living in a relationship with him, then you and I should care about that as well. You see, the children weren't capable of getting to Jesus on their own. They would have just been pushed aside. But parents took these children and they took them to Jesus and they fought through the crowd to get these children to Jesus. And you and I need to be like that. You and I need to care enough about people in this city that we will do everything we can to fight through the crowd, to fight through religious structures if it's there and it's preventing people from getting to Jesus. We need to do what we can to get people to Jesus. And I want to ask you tonight, those disciples are thinking they were doing the right thing. They thought they were doing the right thing by keeping the children away. But they didn't know that they were actually doing a wrong thing by preventing people from getting to Jesus. And I want to ask you tonight, is there something in your life that's preventing the people around you from getting to Jesus? Am I like, no? What about your colleagues at work? The students in your class? The friends you hanged out with Friday evening? The person who carpools with you, the lady in the taxi, the people you see on the bus every day, all people that surround us. And if you're not leading them to Jesus, who will? If you're not sharing your story, if you're not living out the grace of God in your own life, who will do it? Is there still something in your life that's preventing others from receiving the gift that God wants to give. But I want to end with this tonight. You can only truly give once you've learned to receive. I talked about the love languages. And if you know my wife, Yolanda, you will know that she loves to give. I always joke, and I'm like, if I wouldn't stop her, she would give everything away that we own. I don't like to give so much. I'm a saver. I want to save everything. But she's a giver. And you know why she's so good at giving? Because she enjoys so much to receive. Even if it's a little shell that I picked up on the beach, it fills her heart with joy. You see, and we often think we can receive once we know how to give. But I think it's the other way around. Because I want to tell you, only once you have received the love of God, the grace, His forgiveness, His kingdom, only once you have received His joy and His peace, 
Will you get to a point where it fills you with so much excitement and so much joy that it just bubbles up, that you cannot contain it, that you cannot keep it for yourself, but that you need to give that away to other people as well. So let's be people with hearts like children, ready to trust God, ready to receive what he wants to give us. But let's also, once we receive, be willing to share what we have received. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for a ministry. Your ministry that was marked with love from the beginning to the end. A love so genuine and so deep and pure that we cannot even comprehend it. Thank you, God, for your gift of salvation and grace and new beginnings. Of peace and hope when we feel anxious. Of love when we feel lonely. I pray tonight for any person here who hasn't received your gift yet. And I pray, Lord, that you will remove the stone hearts, our adult hearts, that sometimes makes it hard for us to receive your gift. And I pray that you will replace our hearts with the heart of a child that's open and willing to receive what you want to give us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Louis Kippers, the lead pastor of Prodeo Church. And I just wanted to thank you for listening to this message today. If you felt inspired by it and you would like to see this continue, we would love to get some of your support. So follow one of the three links below. There's two for South African donors, one a SnapScan link and one our banking details. Or if you're an international listener, there's also a link for you to follow if you wanted to give. So from my side, thank you again and may God bless you.